Now it's time for Hawks' one-minute rundown. After reports surfaced that they'd considered trading cornerback Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguars came out and said they'd had zero intention on trading their best player on the team, taking the stance, if we have to attend every Blake Bortles game for the next three years, you do too. Social media was buzzing around the rumor that the Browns were looking into possibly interviewing former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice for their head coaching vacancy. Rice later put out a statement denying the report, saying she wasn't exactly ready to be a head coach. No word yet on a similar statement from Cowboys coach Jason Garrett, but we're monitoring the situation. Speaking of not being qualified for a position, the Redskins have announced they've signed quarterback Mark Sanchez to a contract. And for the sixth time on Thanksgiving Day, we could watch the butt fumble pioneer play football, joining green bean casserole and canned cranberry sauce as Thanksgiving traditions that make you want to throw up in your mouth. I'm Hawk and the pleasure is all yours. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, presented by LeBron James's Uninterrupted. Make sure to interact with us on social media at Tomahawk Show, and be sure to use the hashtag Tomahawk. Of course, you can always chit-chat about us on Reddit. We've got a very live and active Reddit community, and... I think my favorite part of the show is listening to these voicemail uh, messages that all of you Tomaflockians keep leaving us. So without any further ado, Nat, why don't you play some of those? Hawk, Joe, it's Mike from Phoenix, Arizona. I got to tell you, the greatest sandwiches out here are my homemade grilled cheese concoctions that got like pot roast and bacon and all the really good stuff. And in the end, I just have to say, Joe, Hawk, yourself. Joe, hawk yourself. Now, tell me, what type of grilled cheese sandwich has pot roast on it? I don't even know if you can call it a grilled cheese sandwich if the meat is pot roast. It should be a pot roast sandwich with cheese on it. Yeah, that makes zero sense. The only common ingredients it has is bread. It's just a sandwich. You can't just call anything with bread and cheese a grill. What am I going to say? A grill? My favorite famous grilled cheese sandwich is the one I put uh, a beef patty on? No, that's a cheeseburger. <laughs> but I tell you what, I would like to try it. It sounds pretty delicious. I'm not going to lie. Bacon, pot roast, and cheese on a sandwich? I'm good with that. Obviously, it sounds amazing, and I'm definitely going to stop by and try one, and I appreciate the Joe Hawk Yourself jiggle as well. Just saying, it's not a grilled cheese sandwich anymore. All right, play the next one. Breaking Buffalo calling for the Tomahawk intro. Uh, first of all, Hawk, comparing a burger and the steak, saying you can put ketchup on both, it's like comparing a 1999 Honda Civic to Bob Wiley's uh, Maserati. <laughs> you don't put ketchup on a Maserati. Second, uh, <laughs> my go-to sandwich, I mix A1 and ranch and put it on a uh, roast beef sandwich with tomato and lettuce and some provolone. Uh, Hawk, how about you try some A1 on your next steak instead of ketchup? <laughs> okay. That's 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 way more civilized than ketchup. Yeah, A1. yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, a one on a steak is any better than ketchup <laughs> on a steak. Actually, a I like a one less on a steak. I think it's more insulting. It took me three years to stop asking for a one at fancy restaurants before I realized. Wait a minute, you're not supposed to put a one on fancy steaks, are you? <laughs> but it's all right. Ketchup is still good, and he has a point with the ketchup on a Ferrari or Maserati, whatever he said. Which I'm glad we brought this up because uh, on the Monday Night Football show, I got to learn that. 
we unfortunately will not have a match made in heaven with our girl Natty Ice and Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes wow. loves ketchup on everything and Natty Ice doesn't even do ketchup on her french fries. So clearly they cannot be a match made in heaven in uh, Tomahawk lore. I'm really upset about that. <laughs> I have a, a research question for our researchers who are historically some of the worst in all of sports media. <laughs> but we got a tweet that made me belly laugh a little bit. It said, does, does fat Nat, Natty Ice, realize that her favorite condiment, Thousand Islands, is just a mix of the two condiments yes. she says she hates worse, mayonnaise and ketchup? Oh, no. I know. And I was that. like, oh, no. wow, that's interesting. Can we get, is that true? Joe? Yes, it is true. So how do you, I actually, I'm aware, I'm aware that it is. I had no idea about it. So that just sounds way more ridiculous that you said you don't like ketchup or mayonnaise, but your favorite condiment is Thousand Island. They taste completely different. Like if you eat ketchup and then eat Thousand Island next to each other, completely different tastes. But you don't eat spaghetti sauce because you hate all things tomato. Got it. <laughs> Very Got interesting. It. We are learning you know so funny? much about Natty Ice, ha- man. I actually, the I fame haven't... is going to her head at levels that I've never seen before. <laughs> We have a very interesting voicemail that I think, Hawk, you might want to hear. Uh-oh. Hi, guys. This is uh, Nathan Peterman. Uh, I was just calling to say love the show. Uh, just checking to see if you guys have an internship available. Uh, really appreciate it, and have a great day. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so savage. Oh, Nathan, savage. Nathan, don't do it, man, but I tell you what. Nathan Peterman trolling Andrew Hawkins, that's the best thing I've heard today. Oh, gosh. That's the best thing I've heard all week. Would you let Nathan Peterman intern for you? Of course I would. (laughs) I would intern for Nathan Peterman. I'm sure I've heard Nathan Peterman is an incredible guy. I just had questions about his football playing abilities. I'm not the only one. That was like, it was weird watching him get released on Twitter than everybody tweeting me. As if I played for Buffalo, as if I was his agent. I probably got, no joke, 100 tweets about Nathan Peterman once he got released. Like, it was my fault. They, like, genuinely think I did it. We got Didn't you do it? I, I thought you were running the bills. I thought you were the one that did it. You, you were so savagely destroyed this poor man's career. But I tell you what, one thing I can say, Nathan Peterman has some impressive integrity. To be able to, like, withstand the onslaught that he got, like, continually week after week from Andrew Hawkins and be able to still stand in front of that microphone and not just attack your character relentlessly tells me that he's going to be successful in something in life, but it won't be quarterbacking. It's going to be something other than football. He's going to have great success because his character is so strong. We're just trying to figure out what that is right now. If our budget was bigger, here's will be where we released a montage of Joe actually talking shit about Nathan Peterman as he pointed out that I was the one doing it. But here's the thing about football. <laughs> Nathan Peterman, he is going to be successful in whatever he does, and he'll look back and he'll be like, God was trying to get football out of my way, and I was just being stubborn. I just kept letting it run the show. And I was he's probably going to be an elite something other than a football player. I don't know what it is. It could be a football coach. He might end up being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns one day. You never know. I, I mean, I guess if uh, Condoleezza Rice, somebody who has no experience coaching football or playing football, is a qualified candidate to interview, I don't see why Nathan Peterman couldn't do it. He's got a lot more football experience. I actually got a lot of support on Twitter about my take that you don't have to be a, uh, a background in coaching to be a head coach in the NFL. Got a lot of support. That, Probably from like, people who have never coached and, and want to be the head yeah. coach of NFL teams. But regardless, I'll take it nonetheless. 
You know, that reminded me of when the Browns hired uh, Sashi Brown to be the GM. He had no experience in like being a scout or a general manager or anything, that side of things. He was always an attorney. And uh, they hired him because he they thought that he'd be able to put together like a good team under him of scouts and kind of mesh the analytics and the brain side because he was really brilliant. Um, but unfortunately, everybody from that regime got fired and they moved on because apparently it didn't work. Uh, based on the record and so it was especially shocking that hawk wanted to try to defend doing something very similar <laughs> with the head coach where you hire somebody that doesn't have football coaching or playing experience to just hire I really never, smart people i never them. said playing experience see now you're just adding stuff different layers to it but you know what you know what it'll be but a Connie rice didn't play football no and she th- didn't i wasn't saying Connie rice should be the head coach of the cleveland browns I was saying she's smarter than both of us combined. Yes. That's true. Don't know if she should be the head coach. Here's something that kind of ties into what you're saying that I thought about the other day driving home. You know, because we're, we're, like I said, we're kind of known for being uh, Hugh Jackson, uh, what is, allies, I guess you could call it. We're like defenders. We get, like, accused of being, (laughs) like, Hugh Jackson. Like, like I'm getting a a chunk of Hugh Jackson's salary (laughs) because I, I defend him and I say he's a good coach. On average, I get five Hugh Jackson uh, gifts a day on Twitter. But <laughs> so people were like throwing it in your face that, you know, Hugh Jackson got fired and the, the record was terrible. And the record was terrible. It's a result. Yeah, it was. Results driven business. But they think that's going to back me off from my stance that he was actually not only a good guy, but a good coach. There's a lot of good guys that I've had and played for that I don't think are good coaches. I genuinely think he was a good coach. But. I think the team sucked. But here, here's will be the telltale time. Here's the only thing that can save my credibility or at least give it a, a little bit of a boost <laughs> in a couple of years. What credibility are we saving here? Yeah, I mean, it's, as low as the credibility is, I mean, I'm, it's still some there. But it's this. Every Cleveland Browns team that I've been a part of over the last – you know, in the last five years I've been a part of the organization, counting even the last two I haven't played. The one thing I always point to in the times that I was there is how they would let really, really good players leave or really good players would get cut, really good players would leave in free agency, and they would go on to ball at every other team. Every coach, every general manager, even from the two or three years before I came, has a laundry list of players that were not only solid starters, they were big contributors of, of playoff teams at the left here. Here's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for in four years when we look back at the 2016 and 2017 teams as we watch the players that were on those rosters that left, what did they do in the league? Because the years before, we could point to T.J. Ward. We could point to Travis Benjamins. We could point to Alex Max. We could point to Taylor Gabriels. We can point to uh, Deion Lewis's. We could point to Mitchell Schwartz's. We could point to Craig Robeson's. We could point to uh, Dequell Jackson's. We could point all these people you could point to. I want to look back on the 2016 2017 players, see what they do as they scatter around the league. We've already seen a couple of them. Not going to lie, there's not very many that anyone's like, oh man, the Browns didn't use him right. Or now look at him flourish now that he's out. So that's what I want to see. That'll be my final grade. Of this whole experience. No, these are good points that you bring up. I mean, I've been in Cleveland. I was there 11 years. I had, I don't know, six head coaches. There's a lot of good coaches in there, right? But when the situation is not right, 
I don't care who you are as a coach, you're not going to get enough wins to save your job. And that was only the argument that I made. I was the one sitting in those rooms with Hugh Jackson in those meetings. I've had a lot of coaches. Granted, we haven't had a lot of success, but I still feel like I've been able to be around long enough where I know what a good coach sounds like. I know somebody who's a good leader, who's a good man. And that's all I was saying. I didn't say the results were good. What I said was the situation he was put in didn't give him a chance to succeed. Now, there's been other coaches that are good coaches in Cleveland, but they didn't have good enough players. That's just the way it is. And you know what? I understand that Hugh became the face of losing for the Browns going 0-16 and 1-15, and that at some point you have to just realize you need to move on. I get it. I'm not mad about it. But for Joe Blow on uh, Twitter to tell me I'm like some type of Hugh Jackson defender, like I'm his like uh, son, that I feel like <laughs> I have this familial connection that I need to defend him, but yet he's the one that knows Hugh Jackson is a bad coach because he he uh, is on Twitter and he can just yell at me because he's on Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna just, I'm gonna push back a little bit and say, look, I was the one in those meetings. I know he's a good coach. I have a really because he didn't have a good record. I have a really quick question for you guys before we get into the rest of the yeah. show about this because this is something I've always wondered as somebody who obviously is not in the locker room, so I don't know Hugh Jackson behind closed doors. As a player, though, did you guys ever one like when Hugh Jackson would have a press conference and say something wild? He said some wild things in his time in Cleveland. Whether it was like. <laughs> Anybody could have run through that hole when he was talking about Isaiah Crowell going for like a 59-yard run to the stuff when he said, I, I'm taking the offense back from Todd. Hey, there were a lot of moments to me as someone, as a fan of the Cleveland Browns, where I was just like, what? Why would you say that? What are you doing? Were you guys as players, was there ever some time where he said something in a press conference and, you, and it ever bothered you or it ever made you kind of scratch your head? I feel like there were two different Hugh Jacksons, maybe one with you guys behind closed doors, but then... After games or during the week, he would just say things that I always was just like, that is, uh, I don't understand why you would say that. So that, that's my question to you guys. So here, here's, here's the life of a, of a locker room, athlete, uh, professional, whatever it is. There isn't like a tale of two Hugh Jacksons. There's not a tale of two Joe Thomas. This is not a tale of Andrew. There's the locker room version, and then the other version is fake. That's like what we're taught to do. That's, there's nothing... We look at the people who are super transparent with the media, and now it's changed at this point because now we're technically media members. But when you're in the locker room, you don't care what is said in a press conference. Like, you don't dissect it. You don't even check in on it because you're basically taught to talk without saying anything. That's why, like, players that come on our show, that there's always going to take a time for us to kind of try to get them into the locker room mode and out of his – Hey, I'm just saying a bunch of words without giving any real information, understanding what wants to be said or understanding what people want to hear, um, whatever gets me out of this conversation. Now, I'm not going to say Hugh Jackson didn't say things that he shouldn't have said. It was, it's always my take as a head coach or anything that – why say anything? Like Bill Belichick says absolutely nothing. He comes in. They still write their articles based on him literally saying nothing. He just doesn't even – try to smooth it over. He doesn't act like he's trying to say something. He gives you one-word answers. He gives you four-word sentences of absolutely nothing. That's what we're taught. So, honestly, in the locker room, guys don't give a shit. That's just the reality because whatever we're saying in the media, it's not the real case that goes on in the locker room. Yeah, I I agree. It basically boils down to two things. When you're an NFL head coach, you have to stand up in front of the media and answer their questions every single day. And – 31 out of 32 NFL coaches are going to try to give an answer the best they can. Now, 
everybody on the face of the earth, if they had to talk and everything they said was recorded every single day, you're going to have flubs from time to time. You're going to be asked questions that you may not have a great answer to, but you have to say something. Now, Bill Belichick just says nothing and he's a total dick and everybody hates him, but you know what? He's got an outstanding record. So nobody cares. And they, they give him this pass, right? Because he's a great coach. He doesn't say anything. He's a dick in press conferences. He's an ass to the media, but it doesn't matter because it's all about your record. Now, when you lose, you have a shitty record as a head coach like Hugh Jackson had. Everything you say is going to be under an especially uh, thick microscope. So you're up there seven days a week for an hour getting peppered with questions all the time about why your team sucks, why you're losing. And as a head coach, you can't blame the situation you're in for being shitty. You can't blame the players all the time. So you constantly just have to take the abuse yourself and say, that's on me. It's my fault as a, as a coach. And as a fan, I totally understand how you get sick of hearing that because you, you don't want to hear that. But as a, as a head coach, that's the position you're in. You have to take those bullets. If you were a regular person on the street, you just wouldn't answer those questions or you wouldn't go talk to the media about something. But his job as a head coach requires him to talk to the media and answer these questions every single day. And so therefore, when you're losing, people are going to just dissect everything you have to say and be super critical about the questions you have to answer and the bullets you have to take as a head coach. The only thing you can do about that is win more football games, and he didn't do it. So therefore, the fans are going to hate everything he says and not like him as a coach. I get it. It's just the way it is. We sucked. I mean, I'm not like, <laughs> like I'm not saying we're right in everything we're saying. It's just we have a joint, we have a, a, a opinion based on our time in that locker room. And I, again, I'm not saying it's right, but we're two guys that are given the opinion based on being the ones in the locker room. I like like Joe said, what benefit do I get out of saying the things that I'm saying? I'm not getting paid. I'm not he doesn't have a job to give me. There is <laughs> there is no upside to saying, "Hey, I sucked. We all sucked at collectively as players. As a team, we sucked." That is not something that NFL players want to do or say or admit. It's like that's just our transparent opinion. I get people disagreeing. They are completely right in that. The record is the record, but that's just where we stand with it. All right, guys, let's get into segment one, Around the League Quick Hits. But before we do that, make sure that you go and rate us five stars. You subscribe, and then please, like I said, interact with us on social media using hashtag Tomahawk. We're trying to get as much listener interaction as possible. We go to the Reddits. We go to the voicemail lines. Mm -hmm. We want you guys involved. We want to talk about things that are interesting to you. So make sure you dial in that voicemail line and tell us about your favorite sandwich that's not a grilled cheese sandwich with pot roast <laughs> and bacon on it because that's not a grilled cheese sandwich. But we digress. All right, guys. Monday Night Football. Rams beat the Chiefs 54-51. A lot of people were saying this is the greatest football game that they have ever watched. What's your take, Mr. Hawkins? Yeah, I mean, it was, what, a couple of days ago now. I'm just, on this Thanksgiving day, I'm just thankful that I got to watch it. I, I went wow. in. I don't really go into games with expectations. I've seen so much football. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I get bored with it because it's, mm. you know, a 10-7 football game. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. About halfway through the second quarter, I, like, perked up a little bit. Like, oh, man, what a week, heck. Can they, is this going to keep going? As it kept getting more and more exciting, that was the best football game I've ever watched the most exciting the funnest game I sat there thinking to myself like 
why the hell does Fat Nat get to be at this game? <laughs> oh, she man. is like, this makes zero sense that she gets to experience this in person. <laughs> it should have been us. I must, if I humbly must, if I must humbly say so myself, but it was, it was no, no BS. That was the funnest football game I've ever seen. Uh, the point scoring was wild. It was like one of those games where I'm like, man, if the rules that everyone hates, if this is the product of that every Sunday, you know what? I'm kind of all in. I'm not going to lie about it. Well, that's a great, great transition here. Natty Ice was at the game. She had a uh, date, non-date. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear, what was the environment like inside that Coliseum? Because on TV, it looked like it was insane. And I think back a couple years ago when uh, the St. Louis Rams moved to L.A. and they would show shots in the Coliseum and there was like 10,000 people. It looked like a Toledo Tuesday night matching <laughs> hey, game you watch versus uh, what we saw la- uh, on Monday night, which was a spectacular scene. People in L.A. were getting excited about something besides whatever they're doing with uh, their own lives. They were besides coming Starbucks. out anonymously enjoying a football game and cheering for their football team. Natty Ice, what was that like? Oh, my God. It was amazing. First of all, I was I was late because I was actually editing Tomahawk. So that Ooh. took me a little while to finish and then have to Uber from the office to the stadium, which was like... 45 minutes long, but I ended up there late into the second quarter. And right away, you could just tell, like, the energy was amazing. Everyone was so excited about the game. I mean, they had already – like, each team had already scored twice at that point that I missed the first, like, four touchdowns. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was crazy in there. I didn't – there was actually a lot of Kansas City fans, which I – I mean, the last time I went to an NFL game was, like, in, like, 2007. So I don't – I haven't been to one in so long, so it was really cool getting to experience that. And you were like, like five were, in 2007, Nat. Uh, that was <laughs> five. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like there wasn't two minutes that went by without action. Like every two minutes, something crazy happened, and it was just really fun to experience. I had fun. I I wish you guys were all there with me. Oh mm. man, that's yes, that, I'm, that sure, I'm sure you do, Nat. I'm sure that's all you thought I mean, about. Maybe if I, maybe if you guys were there, like we could have had some VIP seats or something. I wouldn't oh. be in the nosebleeds, but who knows? I don't know. You started <laughs> Tomahawk takeover. We got like one tweet out of you, and then you were just okay, ham- hammered I had for no the next service. three hours. There was, there was no service in that stadium. Ask my my friend that I was with. She's like, you need to relax. Like I was freaking out that none of these <laughs> tweets were going through i'm like i need to be tweeting this game like i don't know nothing's going through no, like i would tweet something and then it would just the loading line would just stop right at the end and then stay there for like 10 minutes and then i'm like okay well this tweet is like 10 minutes late so i it was a disaster but yeah, i tried no, it was all good you tried your best it was just a, the best football game in, in football history no big deal <laughs> not like it was a big opportunity for the tomahawk social page or anything joe what was your biggest <laughs> takeaway from that game because there was so much action going yeah. on yeah, let me, let me say just a few things. First of all, that was probably the greatest regular season game that I've ever seen. But because the stakes weren't higher where the loser was not going home, I can't say it was one of the greatest games of all time because clearly, in my opinion, playoff games with the implications and Super Bowls just have so much more on the line. There's so much more drama because loser goes home and the winner, you know, in the Super Bowl, hey, Giants, Patriots, that's the best game I've ever seen in my life because it happened in the Super Bowl and the Giants won with that amazing catch. Uh, I think it was David Tyree from Eli Manning. That's the greatest game I've ever seen. That had back and forth. That had a little bit of defense, unlike this game. Uh, But it was a great game. But for me, the biggest takeaway was how after 20 years 
of the NFL trying to change the game, change the rules, change the players so we get more scoring and more offense. Now we finally have it. We finally have excitement and scoring. And all anybody wanted to talk about the day after the game was how they didn't like all the offense and they wished the game was more like a 21 to 24 game, like the good old days. We had all these old get off my lawn types saying <laughs> they don't like the direction that football is going. And I was outraged. I was outraged. There was defense. There was a lot of defense. There was three defensive touchdowns. I'm with you. People just don't like seeing scoring, I guess. They, they wish it was a soccer game. I got, they wish it was 2-0 to zero or 2-1 to one or maybe 0-0 zero, zero, and then somebody won in penalty kicks. Uh, but that was the most shocking thing. But I guess that just proves that NFL fans always want something to bitch about. No matter how good they have it, they're going to complain about something. We, we told ourselves we wouldn't talk much about this because it was a couple days ago now, but we just can't help it. The juices are flowing. Yeah. Aaron Donald, is he the defensive player of the year? So my take on that is... He is one of the greatest, maybe the greatest three techniques in NFL history. He's unbelievable. But I still think Khalil Mack and what he's done and the impact he's had on the Bears defense proves that he is more valuable to his defense than Aaron Donald is right now to his defense with the Rams. Although it's close. And I've kind of gone back and forth. But right now, if you nailed me to the wall and said, who is it? I would say it's Khalil Mack. Uh, I'd say you're an idiot because Aaron Donald is, like you said, the best defensive tackle in NFL history. I'm telling you, he'll go down that way. Leading the league in sacks from the D-tackle position, he is double-teamed 72% of his plays, and he's still leading the league in sacks. You know how amazing that is? You have to because you're an offensive lineman. Tell me, how amazing, Andrew? Dude, even with the help that he has on the defensive line, the Sues, the, the Fowlers, whatever, he is still being double-teamed. So they're saying, we don't care the talent you have on your defensive line. We're still going to double-team you because you're that good. Oh, and it doesn't matter. You still lead the league in sacks. Like, to put that display on on the national stage was amazing. But what's more amazing is that he does it every single week. And people aren't realizing how not just great he is this season, not how great he is for his team, how much of a generational talent he is. Like, he's going to go down as one of the best football players ever. Hey, you asked me at the end of the season, I may have a different opinion, but right now I'm still sticking with Khalil Mack, although all the things you've said about Aaron Donald is absolutely remarkable, the way he is being double teamed and he's still winning battles. Um, but let me say something right here, okay? People always wanted to talk about how Ndamukong Sue was the greatest in the game, and now he is a little bit older right now, but it always bothered me because I always felt that Ndamukong Sue was overrated because of how nasty he was on the field. All those personal fouls, I think they that kind of boosted his uh, legendary status a little bit, but Aaron Donald is so much better at the peak of his career than Ndamukong Sue was. Let's just look at the stats from Monday night. Now, granted, once again, Ndamukong's a little bit older. We get it. Aaron's at the peak of his career. But Ndamukong mm-hmm. Sue is getting one-on-one matchups almost the whole game because they're sliding Aaron Donald. And he had one tackle. Aaron Donald last night had, what, two sacks, two forced fumbles, one of which went for a touchdown, impacting the game from every single angle. And still, I would say that Khalil Mack is better. Now, that's, That's just a, a hot take. Well, it's all it is a hot take. But I have a, my Aaron Donald story, and I probably told it before, but I don't care. We were playing the Rams 2015. It's 2015, and this is—I didn't see this till after the game, the next, the next day. Alex Mack, best center in professional football, listener, friend of the Tomahawk Show. He was blocking Aaron Donald. 
something happened. You know, Alex Mack goes whistle to whistle. He doesn't, he doesn't stop. He doesn't take breaks. He went all the way to the whistle on Aaron Donald one play. And he might have gave him like one of those chucks in the back because Aaron Donald was like facing the pow and, and Alex just kind of shoves him in the back a little bit. And it might have been a tick after the whistle and Aaron Donald wasn't expecting it. So Alex Mack pushes him. Aaron Donald like turns around like quickly like who the F was that? You know, finds like looks through the, the scrum, sees it was Alex Mack, says something to him. Alex Mack says something back because he's a competitor. Al, uh, Aaron Donald just points at him. For like two seconds, like twice, like okay. Very next play, Aaron Donald comes off the ball, fastening the entire offensive line, smacks Alex Mack, tackles the quarterback before he hands the ball off and forces a fumble. <laughs> Alex Mack is on his back. That's when I knew, like, oh, no, nah, man, this dude is a – he's different. He's not like the rest of us. Yeah, that was the same game where I realized who Aaron Donald was because I'm always a hater. Like, these young guys <laughs> that come in the league and all these, uh, you know, fancy Dan – uh, commentators that they're always talking about how great these young guys are. And I'm like, all right, until they prove it on the field against somebody that's good in the NFL, I'm not buying it. And so Joe Batonio the whole year was talking about, oh man, I, Aaron Donald, he's so good because they're in the same draft class. And I was like, Aaron Donald, the guy's 280 pounds. He can't be that good. Like, listen, bro, I've been in the league a long time. I've seen a lot of good defensive tackles. Aaron Donald does not worry me. Well, then we line up against him, and me and Alex Mack had a double team on Aaron Donald, and he completely split us to the point where we didn't even get a hand on him. And he got into the backfield, and he tackled the running back. He tackled the, the running back seconds after he was handed the ball from the quarterback. He was lucky. If he would have tackled the quarterback, the quarterback probably would have fumbled. And this was on a handoff on a run play. And it was at that moment that I knew Aaron Donald <laughs> was legitimate and Joel Batonio was not blowing smoke up my ass. Oh, man, that's hilarious. All right, Hawk, let's get into the Tomahawk takes of the weekend. And I want to talk about Packers versus Vikings because living in Wisconsin, living in America's Dairyland, everybody wants to talk about <laughs> what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers, what's wrong with Mike McCarthy. But I want to talk about what's wrong with the Vikings because the Packers are going to beat the Vikings and Kirk Cousins is going to do his best Kirk Cousins impression where they lose, but he throws for like 350 yards and all the fantasy owners get really excited. But this offense in Minnesota just for some reason can't figure out how to run the ball consistently, give Kirk Cousins the help he needs. And Kirk Cousins is not the type of quarterback that you can just put the entire game on his shoulders and let him win it himself. He just can't do it. The Packers are going to win, and this is going to keep their season alive and give them a chance to stay in the race for the NFC North. And this is also going to sink the Viking ships in Minnesota mm. because they were a team that people thought were going to the Super Bowl, but they're going to lose this one and they are not even going to make the playoffs. And there's going to be a lot of question marks after the season in Minnesota. My hot take of the week is that the Giants are going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh. I feel like we kind of left the Giants for dead and they very well might be dead. They're probably they're dead in half. Yeah. But the Eagles are deader. And I think the Giants have a little bit of momentum. Saquon Barkley's playing well. Odell's playing well. Eli, they've done a decent job of protecting him. I think that the Giants beating the Eagles this week sinks their ship and any chances of them repeating as the defending Super Bowl champs. Doug Peterson to the hot seat, huh? That's pretty interesting take. I don't know about the hot seat. He just won him a Super Bowl, Hawk. He came in with a hurt quarterback, man. He had to rely on a regular season Nick Foles. And everybody knows you only (laughs) want a conference champion and Super Bowl Nick Foles. Uh, Well, hey, let's get back to the real reason we do a podcast, and it's to talk about food. Talking about grilled cheese sandwiches, talking about steaks with ketchup on it. Let's talk about Thanksgiving feasts, all right, guys? 
Before we Let's get into it. that, I want to ask you, what do you, is there anything special you guys do for Thanksgiving? Like, what do you do? What's your typical Thanksgiving day? Um, special. Just define special because getting together with family is a special. Everyone in America does it. Oh, my so, God. I, I think I your family must hate you. Even knowing what they do, I want to go to Joe's house for Thanksgiving because I feel like there's so much incredible food mm. everywhere that I would just, like, just die and go to heaven right there. Joe, can you confirm? None of it's processed either. <laughs> None of it's processed. They kill everything right there on yeah, the farm. It's all wild game. They, we all get together They've in the morning. It. They go find the turkeys that they want to kill and eat for the day. <laughs> they find the pigs. They kill those for the ham. We go it's and like, milk the, the, the cows yeah, outside. They milk the bring cows. The, bring the milk home and make cheese and butter that afternoon with our Amish friends. What time uh, do you guys eat Thanksgiving dinner? You know, we like to eat it around, I don't know, two or three. Kind of like that mid-afternoon. So, so it lunch. can kind of cover... Yeah, it's like a, a late lunch where you can get really good and fat and then you can just lay around, watch football, play with the kids. And then like around eight o'clock, you got leftovers you can dig into. You can have a little bit more of that pumpkin pie. You can eat a little bit of that leftover turkey. So you kind of hit like one and a half Thanksgiving meals on the same day. I don't think I've ever had a Thanksgiving meal before 7.30 p.m. Mm, yeah, me Jesus. too. <laughs> really? We're late night. I, we spent all what? day cooking. Yeah. Basting that turkey. We're seasoning <laughs> everything just right. We're just snacking all day. Not even snacking. We starve ourselves for about three days exactly. leading up to Thanksgiving. <laughs> and just let her loose at about 8 p.m. Thanksgiving night. Another meal at like 2, 3 in the morning because we're all still up, hanging out. Running back the next day and it's... Mm. That's just pretty much it. Well, that's, look, mad, that's madness. Yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to answer Zerm's original question, yes, we do have a lot of good food. My wife is a great cook. She does all sorts of sides. I love doing turkey, so we're going to do two turkeys, actually, because uh, you can never have enough fried turkey. So I'm going to fry one. I'm going to do one in, like, the oilless infrared cooker, and I'll let you guys know how it goes. All right, man. Let's, why don't we have a little bit of a Thanksgiving food draft? We haven't done a draft in a while here in the Tomahawk. Like it's what it. we're known for. Uh, we're like the John Dorsey of podcasts. We're known for good drafts. Am I right, Joe? <laughs> so why don't we get right into that? Who's going to be our commissioner here? Guys, I will I will take the burden of being commissioner. Okay. And Nat, Nat will comment and roast you for your takes. She will be uh, our color. And she she will be yes. our Jason Witten. This should be exciting. <laughs> she will be pulling a rabbit <laughs> out of her head. pulling rabbits out of her head with her analysis. Yeah. All right. And, and um, Zer, make sure you make it a snake draft so you don't get dragged on social media like I did last time. <laughs> no, don't let the people snake you. If you want to draft first, you win the draft. <laughs> Joe never wins the draft, so he never gets to go hey, second. You guys can tell that Natty Ice is new to this fame thing because everything that somebody says about <laughs> yeah, her on social just, media, <laughs> she, it bothers her. And she takes that with her. She holds that grudge for a long she time. Holds it. It's a deep-seated No, I, I ignore all the haters. Don't we got it. Me and Joe have to take her through like fame training like listen <laughs> it doesn't matter what people's people are crazy that's just what happens you stay tweet crazy crushed. stuff you tweet crazy stuff back and you go about your day <laughs> all right guys well as commissioner you know i feel like it's unfair to give joe the first pick because he knows so much about food mm, thank you mm. so at least it, we'll we'll start with hawk joe you'll have the first pick of the second round but hawk first round your top three Thanksgiving foods, Hawk, with the first pick in this Thanksgiving food draft, with the, who do you take? With the first pick of the Thanksgiving food draft, I would be remiss not to go with a surefire uh, franchise player, and that is with turkey. <laughs> I mean, come on, turkey? It's a solid I, first pick. <laughs> how can you go against that? That's a, Team Hawk already out to a big lead on Thanksgiving. Right. That's, that's a great effort before Natty Ice 
tells you what an idiot you are. <laughs> I would like to say that that is like drafting the player from Wisconsin. Not yeah. naming what his name is, just I would like to draft that guy from Wisconsin. <laughs> he is a great player. Well, you didn't tell us how you're going to cook the turkey. You're going to tell us how big it is. You tell us nothing about the turkey other than I'm just going to have turkey. It's the Baker Mayfield of turkeys. That's all you need to know. Fail. <laughs> He's dangerous. That's what you need to know. My turkey's dangerous. <laughs> First of all. All right, Joe, Joe Thomas, uh, you are on the clock. So I would have drafted fried turkey number one overall, but since Hawk decided not to draft any type of turkey, just regular <laughs> poultry, I'm going to say the next most important and w- most wonderful dish <laughs> on Thanksgiving <laughs> is the green bean casserole. Oh, it no. is oh, a vegetable. Gosh. Hang, on. Hang on. It's a vegetable, but it's delicious. It goes very well with mashed potatoes. Oh, it goes gosh. very well with your gravy. It pulls everything together and it also makes you feel good about yourself that you're still getting that vegetable and even on a day of feasting. Um, all right, Nat, uh, please give your analysis for this first round of our <laughs> Thanksgiving food draft. All right. Turkey is a solid first First pick, obviously. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of turkey it is. That is, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving dinner without turkey. Mm -hmm. So that's a solid pick. Um, Green bean casserole, that would probably be like my last pick. I don't even know if I would pick that in my my draft. Mm. Um, I mean, it's good, I guess. It's healthy. But like, there's so many better picks you can go with that I'm not going to name because I'm going to wait to see if you guys are going to name them. Yeah, Yeah. that was terrible. And And I will say that, Take it for what it's worth. Our analyst doesn't like ketchup. So while <laughs> yeah, I feel good about her being on worth. my side, I understand her deficiencies of uh, taste buds. So, <laughs> Commissioner, well, take us away. Yeah, the good news is, Joe, you now have a chance to redeem yourself as you have the first pick of the second round of our right. Thanksgiving food draft. Joe, you are on the clock. I'd like to pick the perfect pairing with the green bean casserole, and that is the garlic whipped and mashed potatoes, because without them, you do not have Thanksgiving. They are just as unanimous of a decision as a turkey. But I would have picked a fried turkey if it was me. But I digress. <laughs> mashed potatoes with the garlic and the whipping, and, and you 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 uh, you whip it with the little hand beater. You add the butter, and I even like when they throw a little sour cream in there. It's just fantastic. Goes so well with everything. You can't have Thanksgiving without the mashed potatoes. Uh, Mr. Hawkins, uh, you are now on the clock. What is your pick in the second round of our Thanksgiving? Uh, I don't know where to go with this one. Turkey was an obvious choice. We had the foundation for our franchise for years and years to come. Without it, (laughs) any dinner is basically just a regular Thursday. But for the second round, after heavily considering all kind of incredible dishes, Joe's First round pick of greenery. I feel like I now have to pick some greenery, and I'm going cultural. I'm going with good old fashioned collard greens, uh, <laughs> which is what we do. So every reliable. Year. For the yes, you can. I mean, for the culture, we have to make sure we stay true <laughs> to our Thanksgiving roots. And with the second round, collard greens off the board. All right. Well, mashed potatoes are definitely a a great number two pick. My dad makes the best mashed potatoes in the world. Mm. So I'm going to have to agree with you on mashed mm. potatoes with that, with that pick. Um, collard greens are good. I've probably only had them like twice in my life, but, Shocker. but, but um, <laughs> this just into the tomahawk. Show. <laughs> I, I do understand why you chose that to, you know, balance out the greenery and the vegetables. Let's yeah. see what's next. All right, guys, it is the final round of our Thanksgiving food draft. Uh, Hawk, 
You have the first pick in the third round. Choose wisely. This is the last choice you have in this draft. Yeah, there's a couple of ways that I could go here. I could go ham, no pun intended, because then that puts Joe in a position where he doesn't have any meat and his meal just sucks all the way around, right? So that would be an easy way. I could also go with another side. But I'm going to go with one that is kind of a mix of the two, Little One Orthodox. It's actually my favorite Thanksgiving food that people won't call a Thanksgiving food, but I don't care. Every single Thanksgiving my entire life I've always had it. And it is lasagna is actually. We eat lasagna. Out of left field. From the Raptors. My gram would make this lasagna ever since I was a kid that was to die for Passed it down to now my sister. Now my wife is in charge of making the lasagna that we have every Thanksgiving with pepperonis in it for that, too. So I was going to say, what type of meat do you put in your lasagna? Because that's very important. Lasagna, we put pepperonis in it and uh, good old ground beef. Uh, that's wrong. You need to put Italian sausage in your <laughs> lasagna. Oh, we have Italian shit. sausage. You are too. wrong, Hawk. There's that's layers. Wrong. We have so many layers of it. Tell, tell your family the pepperoni with the Italian sausage would be okay. But how much <laughs> fucking food do you have on Thanksgiving if you guys are making a whole lasagna and a giant-ass turkey? We, that's no like, wonder you're getting flabby. That's why it takes us till 8, 8, 8 p.m. to eat. Oh, my God. And then what do you guys eat until the next morning? Are you we guys eat eating the all the way until you go to days. church on Sunday? Leftovers the next day are cool. The second day of leftovers are at the, when they're at their best. So Saturday is like the peak day for yeah. leftovers. Sunday, still solid. Monday, mm, you're pushing it. Tuesday, if you eat the food, you're going to have to go to the hospital. Anything, I was say, <laughs> at some point, we're taking our safety into our own hands here. You're going to die. Seventh day leftovers. <laughs> Those are the leftover rules. All right, let's, uh, let's try to salvage this draft. Joe Thomas, what is your, what is your final pick of, our, of the last round of our Thanksgiving food draft? I need an undrafted pick. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's my turn to talk. Stop <laughs> talking. Just, okay. First of all. Hawk wants to cut a player already. <laughs> yeah. First of all, the guy got the first pick. I'd like to make a knows, trade. Everybody knows turkey is like the only thing on Thanksgiving <laughs> that everybody can agree on. But I know for a fact that lasagna on Thanksgiving is an F. Yeah, so but I got I'm turkey, gonna, so I was, I was good. Hang on. I'm talking. Sorry. <laughs> With my last pick and to win the Thanksgiving, whatever, whatever yeah. draft we're calling this, the Thanksgiving Got off the rails. I got him off, his, got off, got him off his rocker. All right. I'm, I'm a little flustered right now. All right. With my last pick, I'd like to win and say pumpkin pie. Thank you very much. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, that's a mic dropper. That is what? a mic dropper. Oh, we got to have more Nat? black people on this pod, man. <laughs> Pumpkin pie. All right, Nat, I need your final analysis and your winner, your personal winner of this draft. Okay, well, since I don't know why you have lasagna on Thanksgiving, like that's the last <laughs> thing I was expecting you to say when, <laughs> yeah, when, you, when, got... you, when you went with that pick. So... Hold on, Zerm. Can you put them all together? Yeah. Can you put say all the meals they, together? Yes. Can you say what? <laughs> all right. Each so, so uh, Hawks first pick. He went real bold. He went with turkey. Uh, <laughs> Joe went with uh, green bean casserole <laughs> Which for is uh, his first round. Terrible, pick. but continue. Um, then Joe came back strong with the garlic whipped uh, mashed potatoes. Uh, Hawk went lasagna because, <laughs> of course. <laughs> 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 and oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hawk went collard greens. Then Hawk went lasagna with his final pick, and Joe finished up with a nice pumpkin pie. 
I'm I'd gonna... like to add uh, stuffing as an undrafted free agent. You can't do that. It's over. <laughs> I Stop would... talking. See, let, I was let waiting, the commissioner like, I was decide who won. To say stuffing or like cornbread or <clears throat> other other you know typical Thanksgiving foods, but um, I'm gonna have to say Joe won that draft just because uh, just because I love mashed potatoes and I mm. love pumpkin pie and those are mm. like staples in mm. Thanksgiving dinners. Thank you. And although you had the turkey, I just I mean lasagna really threw me off. Even though I'm sure it's great, lasagna is actually one of my favorite foods. But like Thanksgiving, no. Yeah, I mean, I have a turkey, so there's that. Uh, well, it's all like right, I, that is. Uh, I have Tom Brady, and you have a bunch of <laughs> outside linebackers. But whatever, I mean, it's cool. <laughs> well, guys, that has been our Tomahawk draft for Thanksgiving foods. Please tweet us and let us know how terribly that went using the hashtag <laughs> Tomahawk, and also what uh, your top three draft picks would be. All right, guys, it is time to finish up this episode. I have a question. With a quick update. I have a, oh yes, I have a question Matt. for Joe. Well, actually. My dad has a question for you. So he, he texted hey, me. He's going on a business trip to Wisconsin. And he oh. said, I'm staying in Brookfield, Wisconsin when I have oh. my meeting on the 30th. No is, that, is that where you're from, Joe? Yeah, that's where I grew up. Yeah. So he, his follow-up question. question to that was, <laughs> ask him of the multiple statues of him in Brookfield, which one does oh. he recommend that I go see first? <laughs> yeah, I would go see the one on the south side of town because that's, that's where I grew up. That was the rough part. <clears throat> that's where like the statue with the graffiti on the face is and you know, the arm that's been chopped off. So definitely go to the south side statue. That's the one you want to go. But I don't know when he's going. I don't remember what you said, but if he goes after December 1st, I remember what you said just see, a second ago. Go see my barbecue restaurant, Mission Barbecue, which is opening December 1st in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Oh. So uh, make sure you well, check out a little Mission Barbecue. He's going the day before the first. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Well, maybe we'll slip him in the back door and get him some uh, a sneak preview of what we Taste got. Taste tester. All right, guys, as we finish up, a uh, quick update for our DraftKings League. Uh, the winner this week was T-A-O-R-P-H. I don't know if that's a full word or I, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Uh, 219.72 points, which is people are so much better at this than any of us are. So good for, uh, for Teorf. Um, Joe Thomas was Joe Thomas was our winner, finishing number seventy-seven with one hundred forty-eight point two four points. Um, the legendary firm that is myself finished one hundred thirteenth with one hundred thirty-seven point eight two. Matt still chasing that top five spot, comes in at one hundred thirty-fourth this week, one hundred thirty-one point one two points. And look, Hawk didn't get his team in, but he wanted us to add up his points manually, which absolutely no one is going to take. What are we paying people for? We have a, a staff of 38 people, and Pass no one time. can add up. Pay us overtime, Hawk, all right? Golly. So, well, Hawk, we're putting you back at a zero uh, for this week because there will be no adding or subtracting uh, going on. I'm almost positive I won this week, too, which is the crazy part about it. All right, guys, I got, I got to cut you off there. I, I hear the phone ringing, and I think we got our guest calling in right now. We got Brown's rookie first-round cornerback and all-around great guy, even though he went to the Ohio State University. I can say that because Ohio State is actually the second greatest football power in the state of Ohio behind Toledo, as my man Andrew Hawkins knows. So, Denzel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. 
Well, let's just crack it right off. And uh, I'm interested, the toughest wide receiver that you had to cover so far. I know the first game of the season you had to go right against Antonio Brown. That had to be quite the challenge because he's one of the best in the NFL. And you did a heck of a job. So who so far has been the toughest receiver you've had to cover? Uh, I'll definitely say um, between Antonio Brown and uh, Michael Thomas, two of the tougher receivers that I've faced so far this season. Now, what does Antonio Brown do that makes him so difficult to cover? Uh, he's uh, definitely quick. He's a very quick receiver. Uh, he's good. He's fast as well. I didn't know he was as fast as he was once I won against him. But uh, he's quick off the snap of the ball, and uh, he's able to create enough separation to make the catch, and uh, he can catch those 50-50 balls. So whether you're in good coverage or not, he has the ability to be able to still make that catch and come down with it. Yeah, I was going to say, Denzel, uh, you know, we're getting a lot of these questions from our Reddit users, so shout out to all of our Reddit users and the Tomahawk Reddit page. But, Denzel, you guys have gone through a lot of ups and downs this season, kind of starting with the draft. What was your mindset coming in uh, when, they, when they selected you in the top five and you heard a lot of the chatter about the organization? And how has how what you've been through now reshaped your thought about the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, I was definitely excited coming in. Uh, I feel like they drafted me here for a reason. They uh, felt that I'm one of the uh, key points to this organization and help turning it around. So that's definitely the mindset that I've been taking and coming in, just trying to do whatever I can to help this team win. What is your relationship with Baker Mayfield like? Uh, we got a real good relationship. We we talk often. Well, uh, Baker, he's a great quarterback, and uh, I'm glad he's on my team. Denzel, you're a pretty soft-spoken guy off the field, but – I got to know, are you a guy that likes to talk a little bit of trash when you get on the field? Uh, not as much. I mean, if the other guys start talking, then I'll talk a little bit. But I usually I don't initiate it. I usually just go out there and play. Who, who's been the guy this year so far that uh, has talked the most trash out there? I actually don't really talk trash to me. Mm. Uh, if any, no, act, no, no, let me just say mm. that. Actually, oh, this, wow. this, past, this past game versus uh, when we played the Steelers last, Antonio Brown, he was talking, trying to talk a little trash to me. But other than that, no one's really been talking trash to me all season. I'm not going to lie. When you got drafted, not that I was, wasn't a believer because I just didn't know enough about, like, the draft in general. I'm like everybody else. I played so much football I could care less about really diving into who's coming up next. But, you know, there was a lot of names people were throwing around. And so when we drafted you that early – I was one of the people that was like, oh, I don't know about this one. So I'm a little skeptical. It's just hard for rookies to come in and make a, a big impact because especially right. in this division where there's so many like dope receivers with A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, like you talked about. Yo, but you have come in. You have made me feel like an idiot. Mm. Uh, I've said this on Twitter. Like You are one of the, the top up-and-coming corners and on your way to being the, the, the crown wearer as the, the top guy in the league. What has been the biggest obstacle – or what has been the biggest learning curve for you transitioning from college to the NFL? Because from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like that big of a transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate that. But um, obviously, I'm still learning a lot. Uh, just learning tendencies and how to watch film and everything. Uh, I, at the end of the day, it's still football. So it's a game I've been playing all my life. So um, I, I, was still, I had to answer that question a little later to get a better the better answer, but uh, everything's been going pretty good so far. Like, at first it was the playbook, but I thought I'm starting to get a good handle on the playbook, so that's not really uh, hard for me now. So it's really just going out there and playing. Obviously, you've made yourself made a name for yourself 
this early in your career. It's been very impressive. But was there one guy that you like to watch in the NFL at the cornerback position that you either model yourself after or you've always respected how he plays? Oh, not really. Actually, I, I kind of watch everybody, all the uh, players in my position, and just try to take tips and just uh, see how those guys play. Those guys play. I got Here's a question for you. Obviously, in the, the media, it was it was reported with the Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley thing. Could you guys feel that tension all the way down in the locker room? I didn't really pay much attention to that if there was uh, tension. So I'm, I'm not sure, actually. I don't, I don't really know about that. And they, like they're it. more so on the offensive side offensive side as well, too. So they weren't really uh, at the, on the defensive side. or I couldn't really tell. That makes sense. Is it going to be weird playing against him as he's coaching on the opposite sideline? Oh, no, I, I don't think so. I'm just going out there. I feel a lot of guys just going out there to do what we can to win. We That's what we're focused on uh, is winning and uh, what we got to do for that game. When I was a, a rookie in the NFL, my very first game, our starting quarterback was a guy named Charlie Fry from the great Akron Zips. He was our captain. We went into the first game of the season against the Steelers in the first half. He got sacked six times, and he got benched at halftime. The very next day, they traded him to the Seattle Seahawks, and we had a new starting quarterback. And I always tell people that that was my welcome to the NFL moment. You guys have had kind of a crazy and rocky first season uh, for you in Cleveland with your head coach and your offensive coordinator being fired right at about the midpoint of the season. Has there been a moment yet in this early uh, part of the season? Excuse me. Has there been a moment in this first year of your career where you had that welcome to the NFL moment you were like whoa this league is crazy and it is so much different than the NCAA yeah I would say definitely the um firing of uh coach Hugh Jackson and uh Ty Haley and just seeing how real that was and uh that is really a business like a lot of people say around the league how did that day go down? Because I've never been a part of a coach that got fired in the middle of the season. I know there's been plenty of guys that I've played with in Cleveland that were there when uh, Butch Davis, like, kind of fired, got any left. Like, in the middle of the season was a really weird kind of thing. Um, even though I have had a bunch of coaches get fired, I've never lived through that. So can you give me and Hawk and, and the people that are listening out there, like, a sense of what that day was like when you showed up and you learned that you, ha- you no longer have the same head coach that was there in the spring? Yeah, it was interesting. It was just I was just curious on really how everything was going to play out because it's obviously new to me. So I was just trying to just uh, take everything by ear and just go with the flow of things. But um, I think it's been working out all right. Everything's been fine, and uh, we're all rallying behind uh, Coach Williams right now. Denzel, you talked about playing uh, the likes of Antonio Brown. You've gone up. You'll be going against AJ Green probably this week. You've gone against the Falcons and Julio Jones. Is there any other receivers that you're, like, chomping at the bit to get a chance to compete against? Because you pretty much, like I said, held your own against everyone you've gone against. Yeah, I'm actually I'm – look, I look forward to going against all the top guys uh, at the receiver position and uh, just competing with those guys. I love just the, the competition of the game and going against guys that people consider to be the best. So I feel that that shows me where I'm at in my game and what I need to work on. So I, I look forward to those matchups and – Whoever it is that's next on the schedule, that's the top receiver. I look forward to going against. What's your ultimate goal? What is in three years when people talk about Denzel Ward? What do you want him to say? Yeah, honestly, I like to keep my goals and everything to myself, just so mm. it's just not out there for people to judge. I like to just reflect on my goals on my uh, own time. I like that, man. I'm the same kind of way. Well, give us something that the fans might not know about you. Because you know, right now you're playing like you're a super mild manner, just buy the book, and then we turn the film on. And 
you barking at people, you're smacking people, you got all this intensity. You mean to tell me you just bottle all that up and just wait for the, the 60 minutes of game time to let it all out? Yeah, I, I, I feel I do. I, I feel I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty calm and chill person off the field, but uh, once the game comes on, I feel I do kind of turn the switch on, and it's, uh, everything starts to come out of me. I start My character starts to show, and uh, I just start to have fun. That, that's all it is about having fun on Sundays or whenever we play, and uh, just going out there and trying to win the game. Hey, man, being a first-round pick, everybody knows that the paychecks are a little bit richer than they were when you were in college, and so – a lot of guys, when they get that first big signing bonus or that first big paycheck, they go out and they buy something that they've always been dreaming of. Did you have that moment? Oh, uh, yeah. My moment was actually my first big purchase was uh, buying off my mom's house. Uh, and I was excited about uh, doing that for her because uh, her and my dad, they've done so much for me since just growing up and everything. And uh, before my dad passed, he just always told us to take care of our mom. And uh, so I just, I just felt I want to do whatever it is that she needs. Uh, to be easier on her. So I did that and look forward to doing that and uh, many more things for her and the rest of my family. Well, Denzel, you sound like you are the biggest saint in all of the earth. Me and Joe feel bad about ourselves. Uh, my first purchase would have been a Ferrari. But we appreciate you joining the Tomahawk Show, man. Looking forward to having you back. Looking forward to watching you progress and keep killing it at the level you're killing it. Definitely. I appreciate you guys for having me. Thanks a lot, buddy. Right, we'll man. talk to you later. All right. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk to my guy Denzel Ward, one of the best young corners in the league. That does it for this edition of the Tomahawk. Again, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you rate us five stars everywhere that podcasts are available. Hit us up on social, at Tomahawk Show on Instagram and Twitter. Use our hashtag Tomahawk. Hit us up on voicemail. If you can't tell, we love to interact. Joe, final thoughts. My final thought is that even though Hawk got the first pick in the draft that the only thing that matters is the turkey, he still somehow found a way to lose with two of the shittiest picks in Tomahawk draft history. Thank you very much. I love how every time we have a draft, you try to skew the audience's opinion. I let my picks do the talking, okay? Turkey is the Peyton Manning of thanksgiving foods what are we talking about it's open and shut case johnson joe do you have any like random food that you have on the table that's not typical thanksgiving like hawk does so all i will say is we have a great appetizer that we always make it's a buffalo chicken dip and you use like the scoop tortilla chips and it's really good as an appetizer i don't know if it's a traditional thanksgiving thing or not but it has become one of these things that we always have because my rookie year in the nfl we went over to eric steinbach who was our left guard his house and his wife made it and it was outstanding we got the recipe and then like two years later we started having all the thanksgivings at our house with all the players and it just became a staple and now we're continuing the tradition now that we're having uh family over and friends and uh it's it's something you can't go without. Let's well, put it that pretty way. Cool. I can go without that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, go yourself. I'm just still a little salty about the results from the, the, the draft. But we'll, we'll let the people decide on Thanksgiving. We'll see how many tweets we get. Nat, take us out. <laughs> Joe, hawk yourself. <laughs>